A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, everyone. I'm John Verhoeven, and I was a cop back in Sydney in the 80s. And I'm Paul Verhoeven, John's son. I'm an author, and I wrote two books about Dad's time as a cop. The first five seasons of Loose Units spanned my time in general duties, forensics, my time as a firefighter, and even my stint running a funeral home. But this season, we're visiting the locations of Australia's most notorious, baffling, horrific crimes, and looking at what happened there. From Snowtown to the family, from the Morehouse murders to haunted highways, This season of Loose Units is your go-to guide to the worst crimes in Australian true crime history. Welcome to Loose Units, The Shadow Files. Hello and welcome to Loose Units, The Shadow Files. So this really needs to begin with a definition of what a Ponzi scheme is, okay? So a Ponzi scheme is basically somebody gets investors to put money uh, into the account of a portfolio manager who then promises them, you know, like a high return on their investment, mm. right? Mm. And then when those investors want their money back, they get paid out with incoming fun- funds from other investors. So the it's like this eternal perpetual motion machine where as long as they keep roping in more and more investors mm. to pay off the people they've gotten in already, yeah. you kind of create this incessant push of incoming funds by later investments, but there's actually nothing going on. There's actually no no investment happening. Mm. So what inevitably happens is a Ponzi scheme. It always collapses. Always. Yeah. So it's it's basically the transfer of funds from newer clients to older ones, and you've got to keep going. You have to... these things fall apart when they run out of new investors. Correct. Right? Like, a, like a pyramid selling scheme. Um, yeah. with I mean, it's worth bringing up pyramid schemes, Dad. I mean, they're slightly different, but the, I think the, pr- the principle is the same. Mm. Now, yourself and mum were almost involved in a kind of pyramid scheme back in the 90s called Amway. Do you remember this? Oh, God. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what? Do you remember it? Yeah, oh, I remember. Yeah, I remember. I was like, "Why do we have so much shampoo in the house?" Look, Paul, that's that's personal. Like, I don't I think you're sort of slightly exaggerating, or maybe not. No, it, it's look, it's the same structure, but a pyramid scheme involves getting. Um, you have to recruit other investors yourself. Mm. Who then I mean, you, yeah. they, they, and those investors then have to recruit other investors who have to keep, keep recruiting other investors, and you provide an incentive. So there's a sort of you get certain rewards for recruiting more and more people. You get so, more and more shampoo. And at the top of the pyramid, covered in amazing shampoo, is 
I don't know what the Pharaoh equivalent is, but it's the person who started the whole thing. In that case, it's the CEO of Amway. And down the chain, you have more people trying to recruit other people. So you, ostensibly, you invite people over to a Tupperware-style party and you're mm. selling them stuff, but you're also selling them the opportunity to become investors and get into this pyramid themselves. Mm. And I remember this period in the 90s where you and mum were... Um, it, it was very brief. It may have been only a couple a of weeks. weeks. Yeah, it was... Very brief. I remember you kind of getting... I do have distinct memories of you being well, jacked. there is a reason fast. behind the reason. Okay. As to the reason we got involved. And okay. that is because we bought a dog. Okay. <laughs> right. Yeah. That that black Belgian shepherd dog. Are uh, you saying it's because of the money it takes to feed a dog? No, he was involved. The guy we bought the dog off was involved in Amway. Oh, but the, Funny, dog, wasn't, the dog wasn't involved in Amway. because No, but I, like... I, I don't want to sort of focus on Amway because that's no, just No, not, no, 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 no. You know, but... And then later on in my... When I was a fireman, um, mm-hmm. a really good fireman, like a lovely guy, he and a mate drove all the way down. They drove probably 150 kilometres, came to our place one night. Christine and mm-hmm. I, we were creeped out by the whole thing and they kind of come in by stealth. They sort of lay, it's like a wedge. They just work their way in insidiously. Yeah. And they don't really tell you what they're about to do. And then Christine and I are sitting in our own lounge room, in our own place, and all of a sudden they bring out a whiteboard. Yep. And they do a presentation. And it really pissed me off because it's by stealth and they get desperate. Now, Melissa Caddock. Yes. The, the, the reason we're talking about her, aside, that's right, that's why I mentioned my, my Federer. Mm-hmm. analogy I because I said everyone's talking about this case which is which is which is a fatuous and inaccurate remark to make because you can't say everyone because there are people that aren't talking about it obviously it's fairly Sydney centric um, are you aware of the story in Melbourne Look, it, I wasn't aware of it until you flagged this with me, and I've I've trolled through a bunch of the stories. There's mm. actually, if you go to the Sydney Morning Herald and you search for the tag of uh, mm. Caddick, her surname, C A W D I C K, this story is ongoing. It is dense. It is very strange, and it starts with a Ponzi scheme. It starts with you know basically Correct. this this trick she's trying to pull. But mm. who is Melissa Caddick? Okay, well she was a financial sort of broker advisor. Uh, but she was not licensed. Okay. You know, the, the laws surrounding financial planning and advising in Australia go through ASIC and it's incredibly difficult. But there were, there were, there were let's say, if you go back into her early years, mm-hmm. uh, because I've read a lot of interviews by friends and associates, she was a liar. And she lied about her qualifications. Mm-hmm. She said she had degrees. She didn't. She'd been to a secretarial school. She'd done some accounting sort of bookkeeping work. She worked at uh, NRMA's investment division. That's Um, right. And she got, you know, she was with ING. um, And she she dressed beautifully. She, uh, as some people have said, she aspired to the way she dressed, the way she carried herself was she aspired to a position well beyond that of the position she was actually in. Interestingly, Dad, this happens in all kinds of professions, but rarely with such, you know, kickback. I mean, I remember once when I was studying graphic design at TAFE, our instructor told us a story. He used to work at a big, big, big ad firm in Sydney, one of the big ad firms, and they were doing major campaigns. And a guy came in with this incredible portfolio of design work, and they uh, let him in, and he kind of started working on this major, major project with him with a big client. 
and this is so this is so messed up. They started to notice that he wasn't showing up much for work and he was sort of very evasive during meetings. What he'd actually done was he would go to a major uh, ad company um, with his portfolio and then he would uh, steal designs from up and coming designers, put them in his portfolio, disappear from that job, go to a bigger ad firm and then take those. So basically it was like a... you know, he would gather momentum. Mm. And so by the time he got to their ad company, he had all these incredible ideas and pictures from these poor designers he'd pilfered off wow. from very small ad firms upwards. Mm. Um, and they and he just went missing one day, basically. I mean, it's there are so many shysters out there. Oh, but what, yes. makes the, what makes the Caddick story interesting is that, you know, she was hired as a financial advisor for, I think it's Wise Financial Services, mm. right? Like mm. you said, that's, a, that's an offshoot of ING. And that's but- a, ING is a big... That's a big oh, Yeah, big client. Dutch bank. But the thing, Paul, is that she Yep. She stole money. Okay. She forged signatures of managers. And the first that we know of her doing this, she embezzled, stole um two thousand dollars from one of these companies. Yep. And someone interstate in the bookkeeping department realised there was a discrepancy. Mm-hmm. They got in touch with the uh, with the management. She was brought into the office, and this is one of these sort of crossroads in life where okay. the police were not called in. They gave her an option. They said, "Look, you can either leave, pack your bags right now, mm-hmm. clear your desk, leave the building, and we will not call the police." And that's exactly what she did. Now, a very dear friend of mine, Paul, you, his name's not Paul. I'm sorry, that was paused and then your name. Yeah. Paul, you know our dear friend Shane? I do, yes. Lovely, yes. lovely Shane. His mm. brother was yeah. a very successful dentist in Sydney and their sort of secretary, PA, family friend, confidant, business manager he had a very successful dental practice she stole more than a million dollars off them wow and and they didn't call the police they never called the police they made a decision so there you go paul um there are many many situations in life where people decide for whatever reason maybe from a they feel from a good place in their heart mm-hmm. they just can't they don't want to sort of completely destroy this person's life for whatever reason. Yeah. But when they look back and interview these people that gave this particular woman, Caddick, that opportunity mm-hmm. to either leave, they now regret that because they feel that perhaps if they had have brought the police in, it may have had a transformative sort of realigning of the path she was going to take. In my opinion, it yep. would have made no difference with her. Well, I mean, here's the thing. There's so many cases. I mean, there's a true crime series, um, Sins of Our Mother, I mm. think is the name. It's on Netflix right now. It's a three-part series. And it's pretty damn good. It's it's a very, very current case. That a, lot of, a lot of the trial and the pursuit of these suspects happened during the lockdown of the pandemic. So it's very current. And it is incredible watching early instances, because there's a lot of body cam footage mm. from the cops involved. Mm. And you can see these early instances where, you know, Cops will get called in on a minor case at the start of this story. Mm. And you're watching these pivotal crossroads moments, much like with Caddick and this person who could have fired her or called the police in. Mm. And you just go, 
you know, it's not that I think this would have reformed you as a person, but it probably would have flagged you with the authorities to the point where they may have been on top of things a little bit quicker. Um, and you're seeing these police dealing with a person who later on kills other people and you're going, if they just done their jobs a little better, mm. you know? But this is back in 1998, right, where she got the job at the um, at this office. And I'm reading a quote from the boss here, the boss who could have gotten her disciplined. Um says, her manicure presentation seems suited to a job she aspired to rather than the job she had. So she's at this job for about six months. And then, like you said, an interstate person from a different wing of the office Mm. checks out that discrepancy. And they notice that there's uh, copies of checks with suspicious payments. And they call her in. And at this point, Caddick is a 27-year-old woman, right? She's Mm. Well, she would be 49 now if she wasn't missing. Spoiler alert. But then she sods off, right? Because it's less than 2K. But you think that even if they had called the cops and disciplined her, she would have ended up somewhere roughly approximate to where she is now. Is that what you're saying? Most definitely. It was in her DNA. Look, you know, if you are taking a path in life that, that because that's the first time that we know of, that doesn't mean it's the first time. Yeah. And we know there are stories about her when she was in school. Um, oh, interesting. You know, just, just being um, dishonest. I mean, you know, I can't say that I've... God, when I was at school, I was a complete rat bag. Um, and there are things in life that can can turn you. But if it's sort of... If it's in your sort of... Your DNA and you're fighting against that and you really want to aspire to be something you're not. The whole thing about what she did was so clever in that she basically... So let's just say at this juncture that we're talking around about $30 million. Mm-hmm. It's a hell of a lot of money. Yeah. And you, you talk about the Ponzi scheme, Paul. She It basically involved fra- family friends, um, people within a very close circle, her mum and dad, her brother, you know, people she people that had gone to university with her brother, you know, a group of surgeons in Western Australia. And she had this really, really clever system. And it's so, so brilliant. And that is that she'd say to people, because people start, she starts off small, she gets money, she creates these um, bogus Commonwealth Bank sort of accounts one of the things about the accounts that she set up, because she would also, every four weeks, you'd get a mm-hmm. statement of your returns. Sometimes the people that had invested with her, some of the returns on paper, which didn't exist at all because the money yeah. was going into one of her, she had close to 30 bank accounts under her own sort of aliases. So money's coming in. She sends these statements out every four weeks. Some of the people were getting returns up to 30% per month. Unbelievable. But they're just paper returns. So you get a beautiful, fancy Commonwealth Bank sort of invoice statement to say this is how well your finances are going. couple of things. The Commonwealth Bank statements, the proper ones, have got eight digits. Hers had six digits. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, 
premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. But it's, it, it looks great. She cut and pasted. Imagine the mental work and sort of thinking about the scam and of course it's working so money's coming in people have no desire to cash in but occasionally in these schemes someone contacts in this case melissa and says i really need to get some money out yeah and melissa she would get money out for the occasional person that requested the funds to kind of stop people from bailing you exactly know, you want to create a you want to help create and yes. ke- upkeep the artifice yeah absolutely. and maybe yeah. even give them a bit of you know a bit of yeah. a, a return and then you know they'll tell people because they they're tell all connected people. And, yeah um hey i'm i was curious as to how she actually roped people into this beyond just charisma and whatnot and there's an excerpt here from this city morning herald article a little while back which sums up how she got people into this scheme Clients were sent a seven-page Malava Financial Services Guide. Um, Malava Financial Services was the name of this um, fake company. So clients were sent a seven-page guide in which Caddick promised to maximize client outcomes while working within the law. I mean... That's a bizarre thing to say. Yeah, me, sh- me thinks she doth protest too much. Instead, she was breaking the law by operating a financial services business without a license. Under the heading, Your Advisor's Experience and Qualifications, Caddick also lied about her achievements including that she had a Master's of Business and was a certified member of the Financial Planning Association of Australia. Mm. Once accepted, investors deposited money into Malava's Commonwealth Bank account. For each new client, she then created a bogus Comsec share trading account. These fake accounts featuring six-digit numbers, like you said, Dad, where the genuine Comsec account numbers have eight. Not only did she forge her client's signatures where required, but when a Justice of the Peace was needed to witness that other signature, that other signatures were genuine. She also forged the signature of her father-in-law, mm. Rodo Coletti, a yep. justice of the peace. Mm. Okay, so I was of I was sitting here thinking she roped her family and and you know took their money and but but to actually use her father-in-law's signature to mm. Jesus Christ. No, it's pretty, okay, so, yeah, right. So um, like you said, she was promising these people a, a return of up to thirty yes. percent a month. I don't understand this kind of thing. I mean, that seems like a lot. It seems like frankly. a lot because if you multiply thirty times twelve. Yeah. 
360% per annum. That's it's yeah. insane. But Paul, no, so this is this is how it worked. Okay. We're talking the eastern suburbs or affluent areas of Sydney. Yeah. It's sort of an enclave the eastern suburbs. Um I know because I live over here and I, there's sort of there's a, there's a vibe in the eastern suburbs. So, here's the clever thing. People would get wind of her these incredible returns. Even though people weren't actually realising they were seeing them on paper and there was no reason at this stage to, to doubt Melissa. Here's the thing, they'd contact Melissa. Like, I'm a friend of a friend and I hear that, God, they're doing well. And, and in human nature, of course, is we all want to get involved. We all want to get on the bandwagon. What, you know, we, we want to do as well as our friends. They're kicking ass. How about I put a few dollars? I'd like to sort of be yeah. a part of this incredible scheme. I'd contact Melissa and she would say... I'm sorry, John, the books are full. And I'd, my sort of shoulders would drop and I'd go away and cry into my big pillow. But then here's the clever part. A few days later, she'd call me back and she'd say, John, guess what? We have a vacancy. And I'd get really excited. And then I'd organise. We might have a personal meeting. She might meet me at a beautiful c- cafe Mm-hmm. Of course she'd buy me lunch. I mean, you know, that's part of her. And she'd dress beautifully. She'd rock up in an amazing Audi A10 sports car, something because one of her cars, or she had a few cars, but they just sold a few of them because they're starting to sort of try and get some money back. Okay. And one of the cars sold for 300000 in the second-hand market. That should give you an idea of the sort of stuff, you know, she's getting around in. It's all part of that. It's part of the... It's part of the image. Well, they say you got to spend money to make money, and Correct. this is kind of a sinister version of that. Yeah. That's right. So then we have, you know, and I'm thinking, wow, she's she's made time for me. She looks, you know, she's she sort of fulfills all of the. She ticks all the boxes. You know, I'm not going to. Probably, I'm not going to say to her, look, can you please, you know, prove to me that you've got your all the licenses and all the things. Um, people don't generally do that. It's, it's all based on trust. I then, she gives me, she sets up an account and I then start transferring funds from my hard in sort of hard earned, you know, sort of money that I've worked hard for and then it goes into her account and then four weeks later, you know, let's say I've invested $5,000 and four weeks later I get my first statement from her mm-hmm. And congratulations, John, that 5000 is now 6200 Right. And I'm hooked. I'm not going to pull the pin then. And I guess if I did pull the pin, she'd give me my money back. But she did that a few times, but people generally, these were long-term investments. And, and she was doing this to people very close to her, like you very, said. Very, she very did close. It- Let's start with the web, with the bad one. She did it to her parents, yep. um, Barbara and Ted Grimley, her brother Adam, her older brother, um, several uncles and aunts, a couple of cousins, uh, friends from childhood. Those friends had families and she roped them in as well. Uh, her personal trainer, um, two of her employees, and I'm reading here a group of Perth surgeons, one of whom was a university friend of her brother. Mm. Uh and remember, Paul, that a lot of these people lost their life savings. Yeah. So that then, if we distill that down, see, Melissa, if you're operating a Ponzi scheme, the 
you are more than aware of what's happening. And you, as you stated at the beginning of this episode, it can't last. It can't go on forever. Yeah. And she was living a life... She was going around um, in private jets. She bought a significant home. She bought an amazing apartment. She bought jewellery. One of the rings that she bought, she paid 300000 for. Yeah. That's a, that's a pretty decent diamond. And things begin to unravel. Interesting, or interestingly, is that ASIC were actually given an anonymous tip-off. Now, that, um, was in, that was in November 2019. This is all... I love that this is recent because what's going to happen inevitably is that over the coming weeks, there'll be updates and we will be <laughs> compelled to keep people uh, abreast of these. But basically, the anonymous tip-off was given to ASIC, um, which is the Australian Securities and Investments Commission. Mm. And the reason this was bad for Melissa is that doing what she was doing, which was operating without a license, without a, um Australian financial services license, and I think she was maybe using someone else's at the time. Correct. She was, yeah. That that would bag her a fee, a uh, fine, sorry. That would bag her a fine of $22,000 and uh, I think some jail time as well. well yeah. Okay, Dad, I'm, I'm very curious here. Okay, so she's operating with a license, but it's not her license. Do you know whose license it was? It was a friend's license. Yep. And she'd actually, Melissa had approached this lady and said, look, can I use your, your license number? And the lady just said, no, you can't. It's yep. illegal. And I have the qualifications. You don't. But what mm-hmm. Melissa did, she had access to the number. She then went ahead and started using it. It's it's. They received a tip-off from um, a person. Uh, they're not saying who it was, but mm-hmm. you'd have to sort of think that, you know, this particular person was completely pissed off. And um, and then ASIC began to realise, in, in fact, they, they literally shat themselves. They thought, shit, we have got something so big here. So they, in, 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 in conjunction with the Australian Federal Police, they, they raided her home. And that's a big thing to do. And they sought an urgent court injunction to freeze all her assets and take her passport off her. So they realized this is a big thing. She's a flight risk. And they they just went into, into sort of overdrive and they conducted a raid. I mean, this was the- 12 months after that first tip-off. Correct. Yeah. So this is, this is June the 3rd, 2020. Mm. Um, so between lockdown. between the first tip off and yep. the raid, she'd already pocketed seven point eight million dollars. Jesus Christ! And you know, I look at photographs of her, and I just think, oh, look, it's just this is a this is a woman who was living life on the edge, mm-hmm. and there's a very interesting sort of aside to this story so far, and that is that um, she was with her, living with her hairdresser. Do you know, have you heard much about that? No, no, I've not. Okay, so she met uh, her first husband. He was a builder's labourer in Sydney. Yeah. But he had a uh, degree in political science from England, and they went back to England, and she was very bored it's stated in the facts that I've been able to glean so far that she did not work while she was in England. Her husband 
got his law degree, finished his law degree and became a solicitor and used to commute from the house in the countryside in England to London. She said to her first husband, look, I'm, I'm really, really bored. And this is 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. I'd love to go to Switzerland to go to sort of an economic um, conference to, to learn about financial planning, etc." which sounded okay at the time, and he would have been on a pretty good income, but it's been revealed that what she actually did, she didn't go to Switzerland. She flew to Paris, and there she met her Sydney hairdresser, whom she was having an affair with. Okay. And that guy that she was having an affair with, his father was the JP that she forged the signatures of. Right. Okay. Incredible. Okay. Yeah. So she was having this affair and when she left, when, when, when her husband, her first husband in England confronted her and said, look, what, what are you doing? You you know, you're having an affair. What she did, and this is a, a sign to me of someone that is fucking hardcore is that she cleared their house out completely. She shut down and took all the funds from their joint bank account and they had a son and she just completely left England and came back to Australia Crazy. and moved in with the, uh, with the Double Bay hairdresser. Double Bay being the equivalent for people in Melbourne of Turak. Yep. And that's when the story gets interesting. That's right. So at 6 a.m. on the 11th of November, 2020, the police get to her house and they have warrants with them and they spend 13 hours taking all the stuff that she spent years buying with this with these ill-gotten gains, all her designer clothes, her bags, her shoes, her jewellery, everything. Now, 5.30 a.m., the morning after this raid, Caddick's son hears the front door slam shut Apparently, she was wearing a running gear when she left. That's what her husband told the cops. Uh, She didn't take anything with her, and she was never seen alive again. So next week, we are going to pick up from here, from this point in the case. Every single day in the papers, specifically the papers in Sydney, uh, there's all kinds of updates about this case. It is so bizarre and winding and strange and we thought it useful for people like me who knew nothing about it to spend part one of our look at Melissa Caddick and very, very strange story of her disappearance and this Ponzi scheme and all the incredible things which are going to come up. Uh, We thought it would be useful to start with a bit of a primer. So now you all know who she is, what she did, and that is probably going to figure in a big way into why she went missing, uh, who is involved, and motive. So make sure you tune in next week for part two of our look at Melissa Caddick. It's so interesting that this is all happening uh, over in New South Wales and it's such a local case, but it has... I think it's fair to say it sees the imagination of Australia's true crime fans. A lot of you will probably already know about this case, but Dad and I really wanted to look at it from, you know... From our perspective. From, from our perspective. From Which the, is always, um, well... It's always interesting, yep. And fascinating. Uh, now, speaking of our perspective, you'll be able to get a, a red-hot hour of it if you grab tickets to... How's that segue, Dad? Love it. Thanks. Uh, yeah, so we've got two live shows happening. The first one is sold out. If you want to come to our second show... Uh, It is a lunchtime show over at Comedy Republic. So if you want to grab your tickets before they sell out completely or buy them for friends, buy them for dads, 
Just bring as many people as you can. Head across to comedyrepublic.com.au and grab your tickets right now. Do not miss out. These are our first live shows since well before COVID. And these are the ones that are going to kick off our, you know, our next stage of live shows. So if you want us to keep doing live shows, and if you want us to come to your city, then just scream from the rooftops. Anyway, we're going to be back later in the week with a really wonderful episode of Loose Ends. We've got so much stuff to talk about. But in the meantime, have a great week. And we will see you soon for more Loose Units. Bye, everyone. Cheerio. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1, only from Rust-Oleum. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.